we haven't met, I'm Dominic. I'm one of the pastor elders here. And like Chad said, we are starting a series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Going to be taking the next 15, maybe 16 weeks um, to be talking about all of these things. We just finished studying through the book of Matthew. And at the end of the book of Matthew, uh, see Jesus give this great commission. And what we don't see there in Matthew, what we do see in the other Gospels and in the book of Acts, is that in that same moment, Jesus said, here's your commissioning. Here's your uh, kind of like, here's your job. I'm sending you out. But don't go out until the Holy Spirit comes. Go in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come 50 days later. The Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. We just celebrated Pentecost Sunday as a church last Sunday. And so now we're taking the next several weeks to talk about who who are they waiting for and why were they waiting for the Holy Spirit. So there is a lot of mystery, can be rather, a lot of mystery around the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take 15 weeks to dig into everything about who he is And what he does. We have a couple of book spotlights also uh, as it pertains to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We have these books available at the book table as cheap as we can possibly sell them. Forgotten God by Francis Chan and Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. Um, Both of these are great, great books. Really easy reads. Really, I hate reading and these are really easy reads. Um, Forgotten God by Francis Chan is, is really just a call to the church and to Christians to be more led by, be more full of, aware of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And then Jim Cimbala's book is like a personal testament of, uh, testimony of like the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in his own life and in his church, uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. So get either or both of those um, at the book table today or Amazon if, you know, that's easier for you or whatever. With that, um, today is going to be kind of an introductory, like, sermon for this whole series. So some of it might feel a little, like, tedious, like maybe just giving some details or whatever, but this is kind of like an introduction to a book where it's like, all right, here's kind of like a 30,000-foot view of what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be going for the next three and a half months. So if you would, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for completing the work of redemption when you came. You died. You rose. And thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that even today and certainly in these next several months that you would illuminate our hearts to see the Father more clearly and more glorified, that you would magnify Jesus in our midst and that we would become more aware of your presence in our lives and your nearness to us and your leading. We want to walk by and in the Spirit for the glory of God, that the world would give glory to God as they see our lives. We ask today that you'd Open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to see, know, hear, feel, experience everything you want us to. Thank you for these, uh, these coming months. Thank you for all you want to do here in our lives, our church, and in our cities. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start off today, and we're going to start, I, th- I think we're going to start every week with, with what I'm going to start with right now. We're going to start with a, a statement uh, about 
the Holy Spirit, like a theological statement about the Holy Spirit. In, in Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. And so pneumatology then would be the study of the Holy Spirit, right? Like Christology is a study of, of Jesus or Christ. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. So a pneuma, pneumatological, pneumatological statement, pneumatological statement, I'm sorry. It's a hard word to say. Pneumatological, pneumatological statement is a statement about the study of the Holy Spirit. And it is right and good for us to keep this before us as we, as we talk about who the Holy Spirit is. This is like, this is who the Holy Spirit is. And this will be spelled out over the course of the coming weeks. But we want to keep this before us. And so here we go. I'm just going to list a few things here. First of all, as part of the eternally existing Godhead, the Holy Spirit in all that he does glorifies the Lord Jesus. He convicts the world of its sin He regenerates sinners, and we are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs into the family of God by the Holy Spirit. He indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers to follow Christ, to live on mission in the world, and to serve the body of Christ. When we experience the presence of God, we are experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we experience supernatural power, calling, anointing, gifts, or leading, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no Godhead, no church, and no fruitful or abundant life. Now this group here, us, um, we represent quite a diversity of how we think and relate to the Holy Spirit. Some of you might um, speak of the Holy Spirit in purely theoretical or even scholarly terms, that you don't really experience him at work in your life. Some of you might talk a lot about and even boast of the Spirit in your life, but maybe you don't really bear too much fruit of the Holy Spirit. Others ignore him for all practical purposes, and as is to be expected, rarely experience relationship or intimacy with him. Then there's the, you know, the rare person who speaks nothing of the Holy Spirit, is not aware of the Holy Spirit, and yet he is moving powerfully and working through their lives on a daily basis. Some of you are from really conservative backgrounds with very little understanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There's a little bit of like a, I got Jesus, like why do I need the Holy Spirit kind of a thing. Some of you come from overly charismatic backgrounds where maybe you have seen the label of Holy Spirit thrown on stuff that maybe wasn't really the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was some other spirit. And you've got a a bad taste in your mouth. Some of you have reservations or maybe even fears. Some of you get weirded out and we're like, oh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. You're like, dude, this stuff's going to get crazy right now. What's going to happen? Maybe. Some of you get scared or anxious when you, when you think about living a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit because you're like, dude, what's he going to lead me to do? What is he going to lead me to do? Where is he going to lead me to go if I fully surrender to his leading? That's all right. We're going to discuss all of that stuff and using Scripture as our guide. We're going to work through all of it. There was this this prophetic word um, given, a picture that uh, a missionary friend in Tanzania saw years ago about reality. And there was a, a sailboat, and the sail was a spirit, and there was a rudder, and the rudder was the word of God. And the rudder is what keeps you straight, right? But the sail is what, like, moves you along. Jesus said, 
to worship God, you need to worship God in not just in truth, not just in spirit, but in spirit and truth. And so we strive to do that as a church. We try to strive to worship him in that way. We strive to, to be led by that way. We don't want to just be flighty and led by the spirit, whatever, with no grounding and no un- underpinning. But we also don't want to be just underpinned and just stagnant the where we're not, we're not moving, right? We want to worship and lead and move and live in spirit and in truth. Um, Jim Cimbala in, his, in this book, I can't remember the quote, maybe Aubrey, you sent it to me last week, but he says something like, if you have just the spirit, you blow up. If you have just the word, what is it, Aub? You dry up. But if you have both, you grow up. So our aim is to talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit using scripture as our guide and as everything that will underpin everything we are talking about. No matter where we come from, uh, there is much for us to learn. And God is wanting to grow us and take us deeper. The work of the Holy Spirit in my life is, is different than it was five years ago. Thank God. My understanding of who God is eternally existing in three persons as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has grown with and how I understand the three members of the Trinity and how they relate to one another, yet working in perfect union as the Godhead. We are constantly growing, and as we allow the Spirit to do His work, our hearts and our minds will continue to be expanded, or should rather, be continue to be expanded to contain more of who God is. There is room for all of us to grow. And whatever background we come from, the purpose is the same. So we talked about like a, a theological statement about the Holy Spirit. Now I just want to lay out the purpose of this Holy Spirit series for us. First of all, it is to better understand and acknowledge the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The purpose of the Holy Spirit series is to also become more dependent on the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's our prayer at the end of this, man, we would be more led by the Spirit in our lives. To be more attuned and obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To experience more of His presence in our lives. And as a result of the above, that we will bear more fruit of the Spirit, begin to see Jesus more clearly, and begin to see the Father more glorified in our lives than ever before. Although some of us may uh, not talk about the person of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the reality is everything you know, I know, we know and experience in knowing God and in relationship with God and to God happens in part because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Just like it happens in, in part due to the work of Jesus and his finished work on the cross and rising from the dead. Something, for instance, as foundational as being convicted and convinced that we are sinners before a righteous God comes as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us. He is the one that shows us that there's even a need for salvation, he says in John 16. And salvation itself Apart from the work of the Spirit, there is no salvation. Being born again, passing from death into life is a work of the indwelling Spirit of God in us. Romans 8.11 says that it is the Spirit of God who rose Christ from the dead and He is now living in us, bringing our mortal bodies from death into life. 
everything that we know and experience in relationship to God happens in part because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of it is happening, and we don't even realize it's the Holy Spirit. Some of you might have, feel like you have a pretty good grasp on Jesus, or maybe on, on the Father, even just God as, as God. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you're like, I'm just, he's kind of a mystery to me. The Holy Spirit, I don't even know that I should call him a he. Like, the Holy Spirit is just kind of a mystery to me. And some of that is right and good. There are things of God that are intended to be mysterious, and we should not try to uh, explain things that were intended to be mysterious. But the things that are not intended to be a mystery should not remain a mystery. And for some of us, that is the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. We know it was Jesus, for instance, that died on the cross as a propitiation for our sins. Why wouldn't we want to know the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? So this summer, we're going to unwrap all of that together. And we're going to be covering a bunch of stuff. Everything we can think of to cover, we're going to be covering about as it pertains to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Every week, we're going to cover a different topic. We're going to be talking about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, what it means to have the anointing of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. We're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Have you ever wondered like, well, I do that gift of tongues, that sounds weird, or prophecy, is that really a thing? Or a word of knowledge where you're like, what, I know something about something that I should have never known anything about. All those like trippy, supernatural, beyond us things we're going to be talking about all of that stuff. And each week, we'll build on the previous week. So if you miss a week, uh, you should probably, you know, go back to our website, realityventura.com, click on sermons, and right there will be the Holy Spirit series, and you can catch up on whatever you missed from the, the week before, the, a couple of weeks before. From the beginning, God has been after intimacy with us. The, the whole Christian life could be Summed up in saying, that old saying that says, uh, uh, we were born again, we were brought into God's family to know God and to make him known. Right? That's our whole purpose. To know God and to make him known. From the beginning, God was after us knowing him. God was after intimacy with us. That is the knowing God that we are talking about. So we're going to spend some time just talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives from that kind of perspective. And then over the next three and a half months, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. When we talk about knowing God, uh, we are not talking about a cerebral knowing of God in the same way that maybe like a carpenter knows the tools and materials and skills necessary to build a cabinet, for instance. We're talking more about knowing God as in how a mother knows a child or how a husband and wife are intended to know each other. To know God speaks of intimacy. And then from this intimacy flows the making of him known in partnership with him to the world. We saw last week as we finished the book of Matthew, the Great Commission. The Great Commission, I said, is, is not Jesus commanding us to work for him. It is a commissioning of us to work with him. Jesus said right there at the end, after he said, go make disciples, and he said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, how is Christ with us always? It is through his Holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, to know God and to make him known. And one of our greatest prayers for this series is that at the end, we would be experiencing more intimacy with God. And from that intimacy would flow more making him known to the world around us. In Jeremiah 31, 
God is speaking to his people about what is going to happen when the Messiah comes and inaugurates, institutes the new covenant. And he says there in Jeremiah 31, speaking about what the new covenant is going to bring, he says, Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. He says when the new covenant comes, when the Messiah comes and does his work to bring in, to usher in the new covenant, no more will a neighbor have to say to his neighbor, a brother to his brother, sister to sister, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. This, this, this word know in the Hebrew is the word yada. It speaks of intimacy. Elsewhere, the same word is used when it says Adam went in and knew his wife Eve. It speaks of intimate relationship. The new covenant that Jesus purchased with his life is about intimate relationship. The reason God sent his son was to reconcile us back to him. Sometimes we make the cross all about the sin. All about the sin. The sin was just the obstacle. The sin was the obstacle in the way of humanity getting back to God. The point was us getting back to God. Sin was in the way and it had to be dealt with. But the point was we got to get back to God because that's what we were intended. That's what we were created to do is be in relationship with God. The goal was always relationship and knowing God in an experiential way. Not knowing about God. Not knowing about what other people know about knowing God. But knowing God in an intimate way, for us to intimately know him, has always been God's goal. If you have a Bible or some kind of technology, can you turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2? And when you get it, say, got it. If you don't bring a Bible to church, you should. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll give one to you. If you don't know what paper or a book is, um, you can use technology even and just download your Bible. I'm not going to judge you for that, but bring some kind of Bible to church. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when you get it, say, got it. All right. Yeah, like you guys. I love this so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, verses 10 and 11, it says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. And only the Spirit knows the deep things of God. You want to know what God thinks, how God feels, what God is like, you want to know the mind of God? I mean, we can never really know the mind of God. But he's saying, you want to know God? The deepest you can know of God, the Spirit, He is the one who reveals who God is. It is by the Holy Spirit that we understand and know God. 
and we do not know God except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who God is and brings us into intimate relationship with Him. You cannot know God aside from the Holy Spirit. And to know the Holy Spirit is to know God, just like to know Jesus is to know God. The Holy Spirit, He is able to venture deep into the heart of God because He is God, right? Deep into the heart of God and deep into our hearts to bring this like intimacy that is otherwise impossible. And so we're going to be diving deep into understanding who he is. Because God exists eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we don't want to understand Father and Son without Holy Spirit. It is not just Father and Son. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like me trying to know my wife without just, just one. Just take one, body, mind, or soul, away. Just one. Just take one away. You take my wife's body away, and it's like this mind and soul, like with no existence, right? You take my wife's soul away, and it's like this cerebral body, but like there's no personality. There's no, she's not a unique person. You take her mind away, my wife might say, baby, once a month, I do feel like my mind is like, I don't have a mind. I'm just soul and body. But you take my body's, my wife's mind away, and it's like, I don't know her. I want to know her as body, mind, and soul. And so God exists eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we want to know and understand him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for many of you, What you're going to discover is that much of how God is already working in your life and how you already relate to God is specifically the work of the Holy Spirit. You might give Jesus the credit or you might give Father the credit. And that's not the end of the world. The Trinity works in in perfect complementary harmony as the Godhead. God is God. But the Godhead does exist in three distinct persons. It's not the end of the world if we get it wrong. But this is part of growing in the grace and knowledge of God. And just like we shouldn't say things like, thank you, Father, for dying on the cross and rising from the dead, because it wasn't the Father who died and rose from the dead. It was the Son who died and rose from the dead. We should aim to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit when it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and not when it's not, because that's what the Bible does. And part of what he does is that it reveals to us the deep things of God, as we just see right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he brings us into relationship with the Father. It is through Jesus and his completed redemptive work, but it is by the Spirit, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for through him, Jesus, we have both access by one Spirit to the Father. There is no coming to God without the finished work of Jesus, but there is no coming to God without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Likewise, There is no making God known without the Holy Spirit. There's no knowing God without the Holy Spirit, but there is no making God known without the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking a lot more about this in the coming weeks and walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. But just briefly here, you know, we just spent over two years uh, studying the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. But the ministry of Jesus didn't stop after he died, rose, and ascended. The ministry of Jesus continues today, and it continues through us. This was the great commission that we saw last week as we finished Matthew. To commission means to be given authority to act on behalf of another. Jesus has given us authority to go out and act, so to speak, on his behalf. Except the difference is that he does it 
with us. He has commissioned us to go into all the world, starting in our own Jerusalem, making disciples of all nations. This is the making God known part, right? Knowing God and making Him known. But if you remember, at the end of the sermon last week, I said, while we are called and commissioned to make disciples of all nations, starting in our own Jerusalem, we cannot and should not, please do not even attempt to try to do it without the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 that when Jesus commissioned the disciples, that there was a caveat to the commissioning. Luke writing in in Acts chapter 1, he says, starting at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, he said, I I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Hold on. First of all, I love how Luke writes this right here because he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. The implication is that Jesus definitely did some stuff, did some amazing stuff, but this was just the beginning of what Jesus would do. Jesus began to do some stuff. And 2,000 years later, he is still doing some stuff. Verse 3. After he had suffered, he also, Jesus, presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, You have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know times and periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, like, that's not even the thing. Like, I'm not going to tell you about if I'm, what I'm doing with the, bringing the kingdom. Here's what I want to tell you about. This is the point right now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus rises from the dead. And he, before he ascends, he gives this great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. This is the making known part of our existence. But he tells his dudes, his disciples, don't go yet. Not yet. Don't start doing this until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them right after that, what we just read in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, what happens? Everything, everything happens. Everything happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The church is birthed at that moment when the Holy Spirit comes. Everything changes when the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus said would happen. And it is no different in our lives apart from the Holy Spirit. There's not even salvation. There is no salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of their sin. Without the Holy Spirit moving in my life when I was 16 years old, some little punk, arrogant, cocky, musician, little jerk. Without the work of the Holy Spirit coming in my life, moving in my, man, I would would be some just burnt out, definitely not married, manipulative, so arrogant, bigger musician jerk at this point in my life. But the Spirit moved. He showed me my need for a Savior. But you know how he did it? He did it through his people responding 
to that commissioning, stepping out in the authority and power of God, filled with the Spirit preaching the gospel with boldness to me, that is how God did it. God chooses to do his work in and through us. They became witnesses to me of who God was, like eyewitnesses of who God was. I said last week, part of making disciples is teaching others what we have been taught by Jesus. All they did was they just taught me about the Jesus they knew and loved and were in relationship with. And God moved by his spirit and brought me into salvation. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no knowing God. And apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no making God known. It was by the power of the spirit. Everything that we were created and saved for is dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're taking the entire summer all the way up until our nine-year anniversary in September to talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to like dig deeper, venture deeper into the deeper things of God. I want to know God better and deeper because when I start to know God better, I start to see everything more rightly. I start to see everything more rightly. I start to see myself more like how God sees me. I start to see my success more rightly and more accurately. I start to see my failures more rightly and more accurately, how God sees them. I start to see my kids and my wife and my relationships and my jobs and all of that stuff, all the stuff I'm called to, how God sees them in right perspective. And I start to see God more clearly. I start to see God for who he is. I want to know God deeper. We read it early in 1 Corinthians 2 that we can only know the deep things of God, though, by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals who God is to us. And that's really what this is about. That's really what this summer is about for us. It's about getting to know God more deeply. And it's about us walking then from that relationship, from knowing God, into making him known and, this, and, and walking in the path of what that looks like in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says that God has already laid out a whole path of good works for us to walk in. But we can't walk in that, and we certainly shouldn't try to walk in that without the power, gifts, presence of the Holy Spirit. But this summer, we do want to step in to what he has for us there. I love this quote from John Piper. He says, God has yet more of himself to give to those who seek him. Ask him and keep on asking until he comes or calls. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to seek, ask, knock, just like Jesus said to do in regards to the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you're already walking in the Spirit. You're, you're being led by the Spirit. You're walking in the gifts of the Spirit. You're experiencing the fruit and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Like you're seeing things like joy in the midst of, of pain in your life. You're seeing things like eternal hope in the midst of so much earthly disappointment and peace in the midst of trials that should really bring anxiety. You're seeing the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in your life. And for you, this is just going to be a time where you're just like, man, you're stoked. You're just getting juiced once again on God. For some of you, you have resisted 
the work of the Spirit in your life to one degree or another. Maybe out of fear of what might happen if you fully surrender to him and his leading and his power. Maybe because some of you have baggage, like I said before, that you've carried over from some experience in the past. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God wants all of us to know who he is. And this summer can be a time where maybe you just kind of wipe the slate clean of whatever his, is holding you back and say, okay, Lord, teach me what you want. I don't want any more than is truly of you, but I also don't want any less than what is truly of you. I want as much of you, Lord, as I can handle. And he'll do that. That's what he did with Moses, right? God, he was like, Lord, show me your glory. And he's like, well, that's cool, but I'm not going to show you all my glory. I'm going to show you the afterglow of my glory. Ask God, Lord, show me, give me as much of your side. I don't want any more, but I don't want any less. For others of you, if you were honest with yourself, though, uh, your life is kind of the same as it was before you met Jesus. And for as long as you've been walking with Jesus, nothing has really changed except for maybe you've added some like spiritual disciplines into your life. Like you go to church on a regular basis. Uh, you might even have a devotional life where you read your Bible maybe even every day. You might pray. You've instituted some spiritual disciplines into your life. But if you think about your spiritual life, phrases like supernatural power and boldness and power beyond myself don't really come to mind. You don't, you don't feel full necessarily. You certainly don't feel overflowing. You, you can't remember the last time you were led, maybe ever, by the Spirit to do something out of the ordinary and beyond yourself. Every talent and, and gift that you have can be explained by your own hard work and discipline. And you're not experiencing the joy in pain. You're not experiencing peace when there's normally anxiety from trials. You're not experiencing hope when everything isn't going right. Man, can I just say, if that's you here today, that is not the life that God intended for you. That is not the life that God intended for you. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more, what? Abundant. God... God wants to give us life more abundant. And what I just described, if that's you, man, that does not sound like the abundant life. That sounds like the bummer life is what that sounds like. That is not what God has for us. There is so much more. There is so much more. And that's not just for those of you who are feeling like that. I'm talking for all of us, man. There is, I believe there's so much more than what we are currently living in is our reality with God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just settle for what has always been. Don't get me wrong. I'm very thankful for everything God has done in my life. He has done some honestly like legit miraculous things in my life. But if the previous decades of walking with Jesus are even kind of telling of what he wants to do in the future, then I should be expectant of more. If the previous all of history is telling of what God wants to do in all of our lives right now, and in the future, then we should all be expectant. I don't care if you've never, ever experienced the power of God in your life ever, or have never seen a miracle, or have never made a disciple, or have never even had the boldness to pray for somebody or tell them the good news. I don't care if you've never done any of that. It doesn't change who God is. God is still waiting on high to work in your life. Isaiah thirty eighteen says that God longs to be gracious to you. 
Mm, that's good. I'm going to read it again. God longs to be gracious to you. God is waiting on high to do his abundantly good work in your life. There is so much more than we are willing to partake in with God. What are we doing then, guys? Like, for real, what are we, what are we doing? We're just, like, absorbing like Netflix and Hulu, and spend more time. What? Let me tell you how stupid this is. Let me just say it out loud so we can all realize how stupid this is. We spend more time looking at pictures of other people's lives than we do even thinking about what God wants to do in my life. Are you kidding me right now? That's us. I just explained your life. That's us, you guys. Like, what are we doing? God has so much more. I don't want to just stay still. The current of all of culture is flowing downstream. The way of the cross is upstream. And if I'm just like, no, I'm just going to chill. Listen, bro, you're not chilling. You are moving downstream. If you're not moving forward, you are moving backwards. Like I said last week, the kingdom of God is never stagnant. The kingdom of God is alive. And living things never stay the same. Only dead things, only dead things stay the same. You should not be, listen, you should not be in the exact same place you were five years ago or even a year ago. If you're not moving forward, then you are moving backwards. You should be experiencing more victory over the sin that used to overwhelm you. You should be more secure in your identity in Christ. You should be more aware of your inadequacy. You should be more in awe of God's love. You should be experiencing more freedom. And your spouse and family and friends should be able to identify more growth and the evolution toward Christ. The power of God should be flowing through and working through your life to be more on mission than ever before. And if all of that sounds awesome but foreign to you, then you need to know that you're missing out. God has more for you. And when, you, when I say this, when I list off these things, do not hear me saying that you're failing. That is not what I'm saying. This is not a to-do list of like, dude, you better like get your big boy shoes on and like start doing this stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me say you're failing. I'm just saying you're missing out. You are missing out. But do let this be like a barometer. Do let this be like a spiritual barometer for your life. To judge like, oh wow, maybe there's, (laughs) maybe like I'm moving backwards. If you're not seeing this stuff happening, it could be for a slew of different reasons. But The reason for the lack of power, presence, and work of God in your life might be as simple as, albeit detrimental, might be as simple as some kind of neglect or resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You might be like, I've got Jesus. Why do I need the Spirit? I've got Jesus. Why do I need the Spirit? I got got her body. Like, why do I need her mind? Right? Let's not be those people. Jesus said, it is for your benefit. 
that I go away. Because if I go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will come to you. If I go, I will send him. If I stay, Jesus is like, if I stay, Holy Spirit doesn't come. But it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit comes. It is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes. Why is it better for Jesus to go and the Holy Spirit to come? Because the Holy Spirit is the agent of supernatural life. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings in life. And Jesus was all about life. Jesus came to bring life and life more abundantly. It says that by the Spirit of God, Jesus, uh, life was given to Jesus at birth, right? Mary was, uh, in, uh, uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Life came to Jesus by the Spirit. And then at his death, he rose again to life by the Spirit. The Spirit is an agent of supernatural life, and I want to live in the supernatural life. I don't care if I'm doing miracles or God's working miracles through me, but I definitely want to sense the moving and leading of the supernatural God in my life. I want to know his power that is beyond myself. Why would I want to live within the confines of Dominic Bally? When God is giving me access to everything that he is. Why would we want to live there? In the confines of me. When God is like, but you have access to me. We should not be able to explain everything happening in our lives with a natural human explanation. When we see the Holy Spirit come upon the, earth, the, the, the church in Acts chapter 2, everything changes. And the only explanation is, dude, it's the Lord. Like the Lord is just moving. Peter, who 53 days earlier is like denying Jesus to little girls, all of a sudden is preaching the gospel of his life and people are coming to Jesus by the thousands. How do you explain that? How do you explain people miraculously being healed? How do you explain Paul the Apostle persecuting Christians one day, next day, like, writing most of the New Testament. How do you explain that? You can't explain it away. It is the power of God. We should not be able to explain everything happening in our lives with a natural human explanation. And if you can, if you can't rather, if you, if you, if you can't explain everything in your life without like blaming something, if you can explain everything in your life without blaming something on God, then man, I'm telling you, God has more for you. It's like there's this banqueting table of the richest, finest food that God has laid out for you. And you're like, nah, my lollipop's good. <laughs> like, what? Really? Like your lollipop? Your lollipop? You're so content with your lollipop that you're missing this entire banqueting table that God has laid out before you. Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, says, we are not all we are made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Spirit of God. We're not all we can be if everything can be explained away with just natural explanations. Listen, here's the deal. Some of us in here today are literally dead to the Holy Spirit because we've never been born again. Today, you need to be born again. You need to come and recognize your sin before God. Recognize Jesus died on the cross to take your sin. Recognize that he rose from the dead. And come into relationship through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with God. You need to do that today. And some of us just need to become more aware of the fact the Holy Spirit is already moving around us. And we just need to put like language and vocabulary to what he's doing and how he's moving. But some of us are in here today and we're just asleep. 
We're not dead necessarily. We are asleep to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit is already moving. The question is, are you going to step into what he is already doing and let him move in and around your life the way that he sees fit? If you're kind of sleeping, asleep to the things of the Holy Spirit, you've got to hear this today. God has more for you. I'm not trying to cast judgment. I'm just saying, dude, aren't you tired? Like, aren't you exhausted living like that? There is more that God has for you. Let me now invite you to the banqueting table. Let me invite you to the banquet and say, I know you've gotten used to your 99 cent lollipop, but God is inviting you to the richest feast you could ever imagine that is him, that is knowing him. I know that life. Listen, I know that life that you're living right now. It is a a sad life. It is a terribly sad life. Where you even come to church even right now, and you're just like, dude, I just do this because so-and-so wanted me to or because it makes me feel better. I think God's okay with me if I do or whatever. And everything seems dry. This sermon right now seems dry. The worship seems dry. People are just like, they're pretentious. Don't even talk to me about praying. The word of God is just like lifeless. There's nothing there. For, I've been there. I've been there. I know that life. God wants to give you more of himself. That is, at best, a cheap lollipop. At best. The reason the Father sent the Son is because the Spirit coming meant more of Him in our lives. God is wanting to give us more of Himself this summer, more revelation of who He is, more power, more intimacy, more of His presence, more security in Him, more comfort in Him, more understanding, more good gifts, more miracles that could only point to Jesus. God wants to give us more of himself, so seek him this summer. It's okay to ask for more of him. If you come and ask God, like, God, give me more of more house or more cars or more money, I don't know if God's going to do that in your life or not, but come and ask for more of him, and he's going to give you as much as you can handle of him. So come and ask God for more. Again, from Francis Chan's book, I love this, and I'll start Ending right here. He says, Is it possible to get enough or even too much God? Is there a point when a person can be satisfied with the amount of intimacy, knowledge, and power of God he or she experiences? I don't think so. I can't say exactly what will happen when you admit that you can never fully know or experience enough of the Holy Spirit, yet choose to seek Him regardless. I know only that when you surrender fully to the Spirit, Christ will be magnified, not you. And perhaps the core issue is really about our holding back from giving ourselves to God rather than our getting too much of him. Perhaps when a person says, I'd just like a little God, thank you very much, she or he isn't really saying, I'd rather, she or he is really saying, I'd rather not give the parts of my life that I really care about over to God. So I'll just hold on to this, that, oh yeah, and that too. It doesn't work like that. When I read scripture, I see the truth and necessity of a life wholly surrendered to independent upon the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is what God invites us into. I know maybe you showed up today without any plans of your whole life being changed, but today very well could be the day that your entire life changes. If you're thirsty, man, come. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'm living water. Come drink of me. Thirst for him during this second set. I'm going to ask the Brian and the band to come back up right now. During this second set 
of worship, guys, come and thirst for him. Come and drink from the river of his delights, like it says in Psalm 36. As a, as a, as a deer pants for the water, come and pant after God. Come and long for God today. Psalm 63 says, Oh God, my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In other words, God, I'm in this dry land. The implication is, but you quench my thirst. You quench my thirst when I am dry, when I am weary. You make it not so. You, Lord, don't wait to see his fullness. Like, God, if you show up, I'm just waiting. Seek him. Don't wait to see. Seek him now. Ask, Jesus said, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will knock. Find, and it, I'm sorry, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Guys, God is your Father. And this is His greatest gift, Himself and His Son through His Spirit. He has yet more of Himself to give to those who seek, ask, and knock. So do it. Ask Him. Seek Him. Knock. Keep on doing it until he comes or calls you home.